Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's action for everyone for this here, April 3rd, 2022. Hopefully everybody survived the bullshit that is April Fool's Day and didn't didn't get too suckered about some movie announcement or something that's not going to happen. I am your host, Mike Scott, joined as always by the amazing Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today? You still still going strong, still alive. April Fool's, April D's nuts. (laughs) It makes sense in my head, so just go with it. And Liam O'Donnell. Liam, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Fired up. Fired up. Ready to pop off on today's Action for Everyone podcast. We uh, we got some stuff. We got some stuff we're going to talk about where the boys are a little spicy this morning. I, if you saw us on Twitter this morning, they're they're a little spicy today. So I think it's going to be a fun episode. We're going to cover a couple of different things. Uh, but first and foremost, we're going to get the worst well, not the actual worst. We're going to talk about some bad news down the road here, but we're going to get the sort of worst thing I think content-wise we'll be talking about, which is uh, Vice actually went out to a theater and saw the uh, movie starring the guy that Blade should have stabbed 25 years ago. Uh, you saw Morbius Vice. <laughs> tell us about it. Well, actually, yeah. Let me tell you this. Uh, it was kind of a weird, not weird story, but um, interesting experience because what I actually did was I did a double feature so I saw, I kind of joked about this, not as an April Fool's joke, but as a, well, bit that I was going to see the uh, art film uh, Memoria starring Tilda Swinton and Morbius immediately afterwards. And I did so because I kind of get the, you know, the, the, the full totality of the cinematic experience. And it really was because I, uh, you know, uh, uh, Moria is uh, kind of famous from the director of this uh, Uncle Boomy and who calls his past lives, you know, which is a pretty famous art house film. So this is his newest one. And uh, there's, you know, that, that, that joke in The Simpsons where he's watching, Homer's watching uh, Twin Peaks and he goes, this is brilliant. I have no idea what's going on. And I felt the exact same way watching that movie because it was really, you know, it's a very, you know, there's literally a scene of a guy sleeping for two minutes of screen time. Two minutes of screen time in a movie is a lifetime. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, that's, the, that's kind of the point of the thing, you know. So, but, you know, it was a very interesting, very kind of fascinating experimental experience, you know, it was kind of, you know, very, very, very singular experience, you know, that's what, you know, movies are all about. But then I went to go see Morbius where I fell asleep myself for two minutes watching the screen because <laughs> it's so fucking boring. <laughs> fucking boring ass movie. Now, here's the thing. So with Morbius, you know, well, uh, for those who don't know or are not familiar, it's uh, another Marvel 
Marvel Comics character. Uh, I think he came in line with the as as Mike mentioned in Blade back when he came out in comic books. He's a, he's a living vampire. He, you know, he sucks blood, but it's like a superpower based kind of thing. So you know, here's the origin story with some you know some gobbledygook science bullshit from the Sony Pictures that they want to they want to franchise. Um, now I've heard a lot of critics say you know this is the worst thing in a lot of years, and it's like you know a the totem. A, a totem of, rep- of what represents what's wrong with cinema insofar as so, you know movies that exist simply to make franchises that, that simply exist to propagate other movies and you know yeah it's that but in, in another way I just think of it as you know if it was just a singular movie on its own without all the the kind of baggage of cinematic universes and stuff attached to it it's just kind of whatever it's just a, it's just a nothing movie um, you know it's competent enough I guess you could say um, there is a couple of actually, I think, interesting visual flourishes, CGI-wise, but it's still it's still pretty ugly at the same time. Um, and uh, you know, it's that's actually really quick. That's actually something I I, I, I tweeted about this because I did not see Morbius, but I got to tell you, man, Daniel Espinoza is one of the most frustrating directors for me mm. because I generally, you know, I enjoyed Safe House. I like uh, yeah. Easy Money. Um, I like life a fucking lot, but his movies are almost uniformly just visually unpleasant to me. They just they make my eyes hurt. And I don't know if it's a stylistic choice or what, but I have just I've never seen one of his movies that I'm like, yeah, this looks terrific. And I would say in this case, I would say maybe more than most other directors, ironically, of these superhero films that maybe that his fingerprint is more present. Because it's definitely not the same. How do I describe this? It doesn't look like Venom, because Venom to me is just chaotic. You know, this is definitely more all at once succinct, but still just kind of messy looking. It's very strange. Strange. That's part of the actual effect is that whenever you see Morbius in his vampire mode moving around, he moves like a mist, like a, like a fake like CGI mist. It's, it's an interesting effect, but it just yeah, it's, it's very disorienting. But at the same time, it's you know, I haven't you haven't really seen anything quite like that in recent movies. So, you know, it's a very unusual kind of signature there. Um, but, you know, like, the, the, so having said all that, you know, the main thing is that it's definitely one of those uh, 25 years too late movies. Like, if this came out in, like, 2003, it would have you know, knocked, knocked you out of the park, you know. This would have been, like, the, the, the gold standard of comic book movies. <laughs> but, you know, just because, just simply by the fact that from the, for the merits of us having seen it all, more or less, in a way, in superhero films and CGI movies in general, it's just nothing here. It's nothing new to offer. Um, yeah. It, on, on another of the other strange parts about it is that, uh, so, you know, I, I guess the big thing about it is that a lot of it was ed- edited to remold itself into the Sony, whatever they're calling it, the Sony Marvel Universe, after the success of uh, Spider-Man, the no, no Way Home. Or, yeah, the most recent Spider-Man. Uh, to it, there's a bunch of multiverse crap going on now that it's now like official slash canon in both of these movie universes. They, go, they, they can now apply different characters to each other's movies at will by merit of this thing they call the multiverse. multiverse. Um, so the movie feels like it's edited around itself. Like not so much that it's uh, made of deleted scenes, but rather they specifically cut out scenes that would have made it a distinctive movie. Now it's just kind of pieces together to flow into the into the multiverse as a, or or into more movies as opposed to movie by itself. 
So it's a very strange, like you, you could almost feel or see when they cut something out of the movie that they probably had it originally. And then, but now since it doesn't work with the Marvel, the, the Sony Marvel format, they ex- excised it. It's a strange sensation. Like uh, in the trailers, a lot of the stuff in the trailers is not in the movie almost at all. Like uh, I've seen clips or images of uh, Tyrese in it, you know, from Tyrese Fast Furious and the other stuff, um, Baby Boy. He's supposed to have like a, I thought he had a robot arm or, or like a, some kind of prosthetic arm in, in the trailers or in the posters. And in the movie, they say, oh, yes, my arm is damaged. And you, Dr. Morbius, you know, as a scientist, Dr. Morbius, help save my arm. They never show it. They never show his, his robot arm or whatever it's supposed to be. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm, and I'm thinking, did I miss something? Because is that boring? No, they just, they literally didn't show it. And I'm like, they, they, they edited the movie out of itself. So fucking weird. But then at the end, at the, the so here's what I think people are mad about this part is that there's two post credit stinger thingies that directly tie into the Marvel stuff. And it doesn't make any sense. It's like they, it, it, they, 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 it's almost like they remade a trailer to put into as uh, post credit scenes. It's a really jarring and baffling thing to do. And especially, this, as I said, there's two scenes, especially the second one. And oh, even more baffling is that I, I, I want to avoid the spoilers, but the thing is, the director himself spoiled it on Twitter himself. Like he's had a whole Twitter thread discussion about what happens in the, in the, in the uh, singers. Another bizarre move on, on the part of the, the movie. But anyway, it looks like that, that last scene looks like they, they literally filmed it like last Tuesday. To put out this Friday, like it, it looks that so fucking rushed, so rushed. <laughs> Just a fucking mess. Uh, but yeah, so as as on its own is you know, honestly, not too much to say about it. I mean, Matt Smith is having a great time. You know, Doctor played Doctor Hugh famously, and he's he's always you know he's always down to clown with these like uh silly sci-fi stuff. So he's having a good time, but most of it is kind of boring and stuff you've already seen before, done way better years ago. So, you know, really, Matt Smith is most famous for his Terminator Genesis press photo, which is the all-time <laughs> example of what the fuck were you guys thinking when you took that? That, that, that EW, that Entertainment Weekly photo shoot is legendary. I do <laughs> that photo shoot like at least once a year because I just, I, I love, like, because I wasn't even like a, it was like a, it was a proper like entertainment weekly photo. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a fashion photographer just telling them like just pick up those guns and just go for it. And it's like just every time I pick up a toy gun, I have to go and, and do the pose because it's it's one of the one of the all time greats. Sorry, I'll I'll uh, let you continue. No, no, that, that's perfect because like you know what was I was gonna say like um I'm not trying to be mean. I'm like Matt Smith has a big weird head. That's just like part of his look, you know, part of his thing. So he used that big weird head to great effect as a ghoul, as the villain in, Mor- in Morbius. So you know, I, I guess credit where it's due. He he knows he knows his stick. He knows where, where his strengths are, and he plays to them. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the film overall. But then you know you kind of have to, we have to talk about the elephant in the room or the predator in the room. I guess is that the main star is Jared Leto as as Doctor Morbius, and so oh just as an actor, I mean he's kind of whatever to me. Like he can he can do good stuff, but. Usually, it's just kind of—I don't find them that particularly appealing or, or gripping. And it kind of plays through here in the movie too. He's just, he's just kind of just there, just kind of not going to emotions, but he's, there's no like spark to it. There's no charm to it, like like you would hope for another uh, lead of a superhero film. Even like you know Doctor Strange, where he's supposed to be—he's supposed to be an asshole in the text of the film. It still works for him somehow. But here is just kind of—they can't quite decide if he's a a bad boy scientist or or a. Or secretly uh, has a heart of gold kind of thing. So it's just kind of 
comes out from them. But then, like, but as I'm alluding to, the big thing is that in his real life, Chad Lee has a lot of credible, you know, allegations about uh, sexual misconduct and you know the stuff about him. This part I haven't, the part I haven't really confirmed or dug into about him having the people call him say he has a sex cult or something like that. He has a very strange like a uh, 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 fan follow, not just a fan following, but an actual like organized group. Um, you know, so you know, with that cult like that seems to have cult like uh, tendencies. So you know, you have to deal. Movies aren't made in a vacuum. You know, you can have the text of the film by itself, and and evaluate it off that. But you know, this is a big deal. Like they, this is this is serious stuff that's happening now. Not just not just because of the Me Too movement. You know, although that is part of it, but just in general, we, we, the the flow of progress means we have to contend with these real world issues in our media, in our entertainment, you know, whether, whether we want to or not, you know, like, and again, like, you know, you can always say you can separate the artist from the art or the media. And, and yet that's absolutely your prerogative. You're right. As a viewer, as an individual, you know, but like at least us in our case, talking about media at large, we can't, this can't go unnoticed. This can't go un, unaddressed. So, um, yeah. So, I, sorry. yeah. Go ahead, well, I'll just, I'll just say at the end of the day, um, unless you're like a big super fan of Morbius for whatever reason, or you just have, or you have like you know a weird taste for these uh kind of really bad schlocky B movie kind of stuff going on, like high, big budget B movies, you know, um, this uh, you know, if if you're not in that realm, this is probably pretty skippable. You don't need to see the movie, um, but also, but if you have issues with Jared Leto and the so forth, yeah, you, you definitely don't want to need to you don't need, you don't need to like test test your uh, morals by trying to sort this one out. Just 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 forget it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm much more likely to test my morals listening to a new 30 Seconds to Mars album. Uh, <laughs> damn, did I love 30 Seconds to Mars. But uh, but there, <laughs> Liam, you, you look surprised. What I am, I am. So I, I told you guys, I, I met Leto, I don't know, probably like 2010 or maybe it was nine. It was on some project that uh, the brother Strauss had. And uh, it, it, was a, it was actually a really interesting script uh, definitely fight club influenced and, you know, that, that's, you know, probably what he was best known for back then was being, uh, you know, in fight club kind of perfectly cast in fight club. And then, um, he, he was, he was a, a polite enough guy in the room, but like, you know, you meet a guy in a development meeting for 30 minutes. doesn't mean, you know, what he's like in his personal life. Um, but he, he was kind of trying to direct their music videos at that point in time. And he wanted, I think he wanted like a lens package from the brothers and we're able to basically get the 30 seconds for Mars song in the first skyline for giving him, you know, free cameras and equipment, I think for one of his music videos and maybe doing a few VFX shots because those songs, like I said, are, are very expensive and um, you know, it kind of, it fit the 2010 milieu we were going for in that first act of, of Skylines. That's all, my only experience with him. Um, and uh, I think I, I generally like him in supporting roles um, and, uh, just as a, as a fan. Like I think Lord of War and, and, uh, and, and like we said, Fight Club and stuff like that. I think he, he's quite effective. Um, did not quite uh, respond to his Joker uh, interpretation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've definitely like you guys heard the allegations, which um, I, I don't like to just, when we talk about this, just be vague. Cause I, I think, 
you know, it helps people contextualize things. Like we were talking about that weirdo uh, Ansel Elgort stuff. Um, so but it's more like that he, it, it, the, the allegations to be legally uh, protect me here, uh, counsel, but the allegations are like that he's, he's generally like hitting on and, and, and messing around with underage girls. It's not just that he's, um, you know, yeah. having sex with a lot of women. There's no, nothing wrong with, uh, well, I'm bad at, there's nothing illegal about having sex with a lot of women, but it's the fact that uh, he's kind of being, uh, the, the alleged behavior is that it's predatorial towards younger fans, particularly who are more susceptible to, to being like a rock star than an actor. Right, right, right. Right, right. And, and it's it's been it's been a thing, you know, again, if you read like the gossip blogs, blind items, um, you know, this has been kind of an... <laughs> allegedly uh, again an open secret for a decade now um I, I think i first started hearing about the allegations probably eight years ago uh but then it did kind of blow up a few years ago when uh james gunn and i can't remember another director actually tweeted about it uh, right and um, and that that's when it kind of it blew up a, a, a bit more. But again, nothing's actually come of it. And then, yeah, as far as Vice, you mentioned the whole sex cult thing. Yeah, he's got this group. It's like a religious organization, basically, um, because I remember everybody kind of found out about it during the initial shutdown two years ago because Leto posted an Instagram post that was like, I was in the mountains of Wyoming with my followers and I had no idea the world had turned to ash or you know some bullshit way jared leto talks i just assume jared leto fucking talks like dorian gray but with less wit every time he, he fucking talks and um and, uh, uh, dude in the in the in the meeting he said yeah i read the script it had a lot of information in it and i was like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> <laughs> and, and so yeah i mean these are these are incredible, these are credible things you know there was a uh, again, take blind items with not just a grain of salt, but with a block of salt. There was one last week about uh, a girl had had sent in um, two crazy days and nights talking about that she had tried to leave the group and everybody in the group, like she was getting like stalked and people were harassing her and all of this because she tried to leave. Um, they, they, something, yeah, I don't want to get into too many more details just for legal purposes. I mean, we're free and clear here, but you know, I don't have an army of lawyers to fight fucking the Joker. So, you know, like uh, the guy who made From Yesterday, I don't really want to be on his radar. I love From Yesterday. That's my favorite song, but uh, my favorite <laughs> our song, but nonetheless. But anyway, look, Jared Leto's a creep. Anyway, you slice it, he's a fucking creeper. There's enough credible allegations about it. And that is going to kind of lead us to our next thing because at the same time uh the slap heard around the world literally shattered space time as we know it the number one movie at the box office stars a uh, a, a creeper here and uh yeah. you know i actually had a tweet about it and i had to fucking mute it because the morbius stands and the leto stands found it and my mentions went to shit like it, but this is is what it is here right like yeah. We recorded before the Oscars last week, so obviously we didn't talk about it. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but I do. There's some interesting shit happening around all of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's, we don't have we don't really have the scope to, to get too much into it or, or the patience, to be frank. But, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend Slap Chris Rock um, and during the Oscars uh, ceremony. 
uh, televised, you know, you know, the world. Well, it was edited here in America, but they showed the full thing in other countries. So now there's footage there. And then, uh, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of things to it. It's not just, well, even the, uh, the event itself, because, you know, there's uh, conversations about, you know, him defending Jaina versus, you know, him being out of line. But also, you know, just, just between those three people, there's a whole history of weird shit. <laughs> just being, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that, that itself... There's a whole thing that 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 you can spend days or, or hours talking about, but then you know there's the, the people's reactions to it. Uh, it's been so very so so insane, really. Well, has this been some? There's been some insightful analysis about the culture at large, based off of this incident. But at the same time, there's been just just as much or exponentially more, maybe probably insane takes. You know, comparing Will Smith to Putin. You know, just this is madness going on. You know, and again, I, I think there is some um, a kernel of again, it's just this is an issue between these people, three people. But these are also three of the biggest stars on the planet in the most one of those televised you know world stage. So they can't help but have some kind of discourse around it. And I, right. again, I think there has been some you know pretty interesting thoughts about it. Um, for my part, I would just say uh, I'll, I'll try to put the link, I'll try to retweet it later on. But uh, one author, one author, one writer, kind of you know, it's so you know Will Smith is like the good black guy. He's like he's been so a positive, upbeat force, you know, like or and at least in some people's eyes, like a what, well, I don't know if you get what we call the, the the bottle negro kind of mentality, where it's all about respectability. If if we are good in people's eyes, uh, the the black race or whatever you want to call it. That'll uh, help push forward, but then you know we kind of see that's that's always been a kind of a it's, it's a lie, and it's kind of become clear in this case. But again, you know, again, it's, it's that's, that's still the fact that this he was and did go out of line. You know, this, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. You know, it's, it's a big deal. So yeah, so all this stuff is coming to head, coming to play, coming to head, and there's so many, so much you can say about it. But in this case, like like back to Mike's point, you have this kind of big open overt kind of transgression, and it's being dealt with. With somewhat, uh, oh, oh, this is being dealt with pretty ruthlessly, or, or, or uh, this is being dealt with very overtly. Whereas you have actual sexual predator allegations that aren't being touched, actual real crimes. If they are, if there is actually any truth to them, or any any kind of, you know, um, validity to them, and so you, you kind of just see the priorities of Hollywood how they're just so fucked in general. Um, Anyway, so yeah, but again, like, I won't say too more about the incident itself. But no, just, I, I, I want to just jump in involved. real quick, real quick, because I'm at a huge fucking Will Smith fan since like, you know, Nightmare on My Street. Like, and, and <laughs> to me, I just feel, I feel so bad because it, it's, it's literally like a Shakespearean tragedy. It's like he, he did everything right for 30 years and then 30 minutes before his crowning achievement, he has this yeah. one slip up. And so that's really what, what I think just as like a fan of his, I feel bad, but what you're talking about is shame. And it's like, we only have a shame culture when it comes to these things. Whereas these guys that do the, the sexual transgressions, they have no shame. And so they will ignore it. But the fact that Will's pretty much reacted since as, 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 as anyone would want someone to react as far as you would apologize and resign, it's because he actually has shame about it and he's doing the right things, but that's held against you. I mean, that's that's the number one thing I felt like Trump taught us about America is that like if you don't apologize and you have no shame and you're a piece of shit after you do bad things like the country just goes up. Ah, look at this guy. What a fucking badass. It's like it's 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 the worst part about 
our, our culture in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, but yeah, no, that, that to me was just, it felt like a glitch in the matrix for, for, for fucking like that whole moment. It just felt like, yeah. how do, you know, like it's, it just, I, I still can't get over it. Um, it was at the, and then at the same time, it was like, just very like funny. Like you had to laugh at like, I can't believe yeah, that's it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's a bizarre yeah, like I went to bed that night, just laughing, like what the fuck happened? Then I woke up in the morning, like, was that real? And then I looked it up again and laughing again. And, uh, and this is still as someone who's, who's a fan of all three of the people and, you know, didn't want any of that to happen, but it was just, yeah, it was definitely a out of body experience. Like, I can't believe that that just fucking happened at the Oscars. And I don't think, I don't think it'll ever make sense uh, fully. Um, but yeah, no, I, but I would just would, again, for the consequences and to make our pleas, I remember reading a script like in the post taken rush of like, let's get fucking badass actors on cell phones threatening people <laughs> and going into other countries and murdering them and i was like man there was like there was I, it pretty much got like uh ripped off or not ripped off but very similar plot for like um um what sicario and then uh rambo five and there was this one script going around town that was like that and i was like I remember in the meeting with the producers, I was like, this would be so perfect for Will Smith. And like, if Will Smith wants to do it, none of us in this room would be involved anyway. Like he would just get, we'd get <laughs> completely kicked out of this movie and it would go all the way up the chain. That was, oh, interesting. That's a, that's a good point. But I just want to say, Will, come home, baby. Come back to, come to indie action. We will treat you like the king you are. We will <laughs> let you fucking stop all over these fools. Like fucking he's such a great action star and uh, I just, you know, stop, stop. You've got the Oscar. You got it. They can, even if they want to take it back, it's still yours. You want best actor of 2021. Now look, it seems like Nick Cage is kind of going back to do the studio thing. He's got all these things lined up. Bruce Willis retired, which we'll get into. It is time for Will Smith to own this space. Make the biggest, baddest, awesome independent action movies for the next five years, and then you'll win another Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> he has to go on his uh his uh vision vision quest into the uh, the trenches of deep TV dom. Yes, yes, stop <laughs> exactly. Get rid of respectability. Just get get into some fucking ugly, problematic, fucking ass kicking movies. I don't care. Let's do it. I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm with you. That might be the perfect thing for him, you know. Like, I don't want to try to compare him to Mel Gibson, you know. But like, I mean, that's where Mel Gibson went, and he made some weird shit. And now he, yeah. yeah, but like, you know, like, like yeah. what's Will Smith's Equalizer franchise? Like, give him, yeah. you know, that that type of stuff. Fucking Will Smith dragged a car across concrete, right? Like, fucking <laughs> yeah, I'm Will saying. Smith teaming up with Craig Zoller, like, yeah, like, it, let's give me that shit. Put that shit in my veins. Yeah, I will say. Because, sorry, go ahead, Vice. Oh. Oh, well, just to this point, you know, how, how can you get more problematic now? I mean, yes, you can, but at this, I think the point is, like you're saying, that we have to kill that. Mm, uh, this is well, his, his, but he's always, it's like, why, like, I'm, he always like turned down Django. Like, he's always very careful about yeah. what he's going to do. But I'm like, no more. Take, take, the, yeah. take the fucking that all, all of that image consciousness stuff off. Yeah, that all, that's put, all dead now. It's all put, dead. Put guns to people's heads and fuck shit up. Like that's yeah. what I'm trying to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That's that's all. All that respectability <laughs> politics is dead now. It's buried. Just let let it go. Let it go. Like release yourself. Yes. Come home. Yeah. <laughs>
the biggest problem I have is I, I'm going to I'm going to put this out there right now and people can tell me if I if I end up being wrong. Um, but I know exactly how this is going to play out. Will's going to go to some type of rehab, whether it's drugs, alcohol, mental health or whatever. And then he's going to come out and he's going to do the apology tour. And then he and Chris are going to go on fucking Kelly Clarkson or Oprah or some show and they'll hash it out. And Chris is going to get fucking five years worth of stand up material about this incident out of it. And, and, and we'll all just move past it. Like everybody acted like I literally feel like everybody acted like this broke space time as we know it. And it's like, I don't want to downplay it. Will shouldn't have done it. Look, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, you know, you guys know what I do for a living. Obviously, I have prosecuted people for less, but there's mm-hmm. also a, a situation where talk shit get hit sometimes. Like that just <laughs> that just happens, you know. But the academy getting all up in arms when they literally still give awards to people like fucking Roman Polanski or Jared Leto or whoever is ridiculous. Um, But, you know, I, again, we're not the place, the space to like dig into all the nuances. The one thing I will say that really surprised me is how the fact that Liam slapped the shit out of Spielberg at the DGAs didn't blow up like this. (laughs) Because he hit it back. Because afterwards, his goons come, the Spielberg squad, and they were supposed to be, you know, I I know, I know what happened. It's all good, baby. I mean, what if Chris Rock had hit him back and it just became like a full on comedy routine of them like rolling around on the stage, like fighting it just it could have gone so much worse. That's what I think I thought about the next day, too. Yeah. Obviously, it could have been a lot better, but like, man, there's like three or four different things that could have happened that just could have gotten so much worse. Yeah, this is this is like one of those um multiverse points in those movies where like you can either like have uh, have it in here. Or it starts World War Three. Like so, totally, so maybe the- totally. You mentioned, you know, with Matt Smith, Vice, you mentioned Doctor Who. And one of the things in Doctor Who, I'm gonna nerd out for a sec here, is there's things in the Doctor Who universe that are called fixed points in time. For all of yeah. Doctor Who's time traveling and wibbly wobbly timey wimey, there's yeah. certain things that cannot be changed. They will always and this feels like a fixed point in time, right? Like the world was one way and then there was the slap and the world is now, we're never going back to the time before the slap. Like it, it changed reality. <laughs> but you know, I think my last thing I'll say, which is uh, um, there was, they were doing a lot of interviews like after the fact, you know, the post Oscar party or whatever. And it was a really hilarious uh, quote from uh, Keith Stanfield, you know, uh, famously did the, uh, several movies um and he says uh he was saying you know the interviewer asked him how to how it felt watching it and he said it felt surreal but only because of where they were as in the oscar ceremony and he said uh you know it felt surreal but uh, but uh real shit happens all the time everywhere else like you know at the end of the day it's like that's beef happens man you gotta this, like you said so talks like a hit sometimes well, it happens, we should talk right. about it from an action choreography standpoint <laughs> um there's a lot of people that thought it was a bit at the beginning it was like no 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 that was that was, i mean it is it is great that the camera really you know got the point right over the you know the left shoulder and uh you know sold all of the contact but that that's a real hit you can you, you can't fake that one no no and and you can't fake like, look, I've watched a lot of Chris Rock movies. Okay, I, I've seen most of his movies. He ain't that fucking good of an actor. Like, that look <laughs> on his face after taking that slap, he ain't good enough to sell that. Like, that, that 
<laughs> and when he says Will Smith just the shit out of me, like that, that's but <laughs> also a point there though that it if Will hadn't said those other two yells and just sat back down, I think it would have been t- totally different too. It's yep. like there's all these little inflection points because he kind of was like that was hilarious i got hit off the face but then when he started yelling again and he's like it was a gi jane joke dude <laughs> you know, advice to, to your point you know i spent most of my 20s hanging out in bars and uh i don't like fancy bars i ain't a fancy boy so i don't hang out in fancy bars i hang out in the shitty dive bars uh and uh like yeah i again that's my thing look again you shouldn't go around slapping people you certainly yeah slap them at the Oscars. But some of these people who are just so outraged and traumatized need to get in, need to go to more bars because you know what? Sometimes motherfuckers get slapped at a bar. You're sitting there at the bar, you talk some shit, you get a shove or you get a slap or, you know, and it, you get over it and you buy each other drinks. Like it, I hate to sound like, I feel like I'm as a podcast where we try and be anti-toxic masculinity, I feel like I'm like exuding toxic masculinity here. But like the reality is, yeah, sometimes you got to take the hit. Like, <laughs> and this is also this is also picture, you know, we're trying to this this fr- fr- friction, I guess, between the shelter of the world these stars live in these these people that we exalt and reality, like the hour lived in reality. You know, like you know, there's plenty of other stories regarding the Oscars itself. Like you know, they all the attendants get these like luxurious uh gift bags full of like you know that can pay your your mortgage i could pay your rent for you forty thousand dollars is what each bag was worth yeah you know so just 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 the the whole absurdity of celebrity and the oscars and now this thing this kind of the this inflection point you know of of bizarreness so it's all just a big mess that we're never gonna get over i guess (laughs) even though i want you so bad uh well but so well yeah so so kind of regard like like so like leah mentioned before you know we're dealing you have this world of absurdity trying to deal with this uh, very real events, you know, that's very, you know, some of them get, get slapped, but, you know, they dismiss these other also very real and very serious uh, transgressions. Uh, I, I, and, and then, and then so, so I'm get to the news, the news this week uh, that we, we've talked about this several times, at, both off mic and on um, that the news about Bruce Willis's conditions now officially, you know, revealed. Um, he, he has a, a condition that affects his his uh, language, speech, and memory, and such. And so he's been retiring from acting. And so there, I think I believe it was a uh, either Variety or Hollywood Reporter. Or you can refresh my memory. Uh, um, where they kind of go to details about uh, there was the L.A. Times. Ah, went, okay, yes, yes, thank you. Details and with the quotes from our guy uh, Jesse B. Johnson. Yes, yes, yes. So you know, so and the thing was, you know, this is one of those open secrets. Which just the term "open secret" kind of tells you a lot about you know the, the way this. The way this, the way this game is played, the way this industry runs, that they that so essentially, you know, people they people for the longest past years have been making fun of Bruce Willis for doing these you know these kind of these bad, you know, no budget uh, DTV films, and you know we 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 kind of pushed back with that in the past by saying you know hey he's just he's trying to just make money to, you know as as quickly and as easy as he can because you know he's an old man so he was just you know secure his future for and, and hopefully relax soon but then you know we come to find that. And people have known that it's been buzzed about for also the same amount of years that he's had this condition and it's it's affected his work and it's affected how people work with him. But everybody just kind of went along with it just because, you know, I, who knows? I, I, I can't speak to how behind the stage how production works, but I also can't, I also can't speak to how 
how you would want to keep a system going that's so obviously fucked up, as I've seen several times in my various military operations, because you don't want to rock the boat and there's too much, it's too big to fail, and so on and so forth. So I understand the mentality or and the how these things happen, but still, like it's it's at the end of the day, it's just still a fucked up situation and a wrong a wrong was done, I think. Against Bruce Willis and his and his and his and his, his, his state his organization, uh, well, and because I guess, because part of the part of the article talks about you know how uh, his uh, I guess you could say handlers or his uh, uh, benefactors would kind of influenced how how these how his movies how he worked in those movies uh, to their own benefit. Um, and again, this again this would get to getting to the legal uh, nebulous territory. So you know allegations as as it stands now. So I won't say more than that. But again, you know, the, we're talking about this is a he is one of the greatest movie stars in, in, in history, but he's still a person, he's still a human being, and, and it's always it's very sad to see that, you know, that, that even 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 someone as 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 exalted as him is can be fall so easily to a victim to exploitation by these this strange beast that is Hollywood. So it's a so it's very it's a pretty sad situation overall. But you know, I just hope that as 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 he's I think his family has said you know he's gonna be, you know just retire and be at peace now. So hopefully that it'll all work out in the end you know, on his on his side of things. But then you know, but that said, we still have this culture to deal with of exploitation that you know we'll see we'll see if anything ever happens. Yeah, I mean, to me it was um, just kind of going through. It was interesting to see everybody kind of go through similar emotions that. Uh, we've gone through on this podcast over the past couple months because, you know, the the day the the news broke first that he was retiring, and then everybody kind of felt really bad for all the jokes that they've been making, and even the stupid fucking Razzies apologized and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then a day or two later, the LA Times story broke, and then people started going, "Well, wait a minute, you know," because and, and it it's a it's you know similar to to what I went through on this pod, where I was like. Uh, defending and not wanting people to make fun of him. And then when you kind of start asking more and more questions and thinking it through, you're like, it just doesn't feel right. And on some level, there's something off here. Cause uh, if he's not in his right mind, like how, how do we even know that he wants to be doing this? Um, and, and it, and it does feel like he's being just like puppeteered through this to, for everyone else to continue to make money. Whether that's true or not, because obviously he has a large family that loves him, but it, it is just it, it it's just one of those things where you start pulling the threads and and things start falling apart. And, and either any any version of it is just very sad um, and, uh, you know, just happy that he is finally uh, retired and, and at peace. And, and, you know, full disclosure, I, we were looking at him to play a role in the in that sniper movie that I've been trying to make. And it was a, it was like a, a three day role for a villain that would have been cool, but that was, and that was when I started getting all the info and being defensive about it. And then kind of hearing more and more, just being like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't sound like it's going to be something that is what I guess, you know, when you're, you're sitting there thinking about wanting to work with this hero of yours and this icon, and then it starts to you know, first it was just people saying like, well, the, you know, the market's completely saturated with this movie. So you're going to have to pay him this money, but who knows if you're even going to be able to 
sell the, the movie for the price that you're going to have to pay because they've completely destroyed his, his value. Uh, and that's just sad into itself. But, you know, obviously it was a short term, uh, you know, fire sale kind of situation. But in either case, it was th- that big kind of me getting so pissed off about it was just that like, OK, that that was at least like an understandable once in a lifetime situation. But that as a business model is is toxic and you're burning out his fans you know you're basically you're you're taking this this trust in this value that this man's created over 40 years and you're just you know setting it on fire in the last three years of his life so yeah i just uh i'm really hoping that um you know it it really does come down to the audience not to get fooled by those things and 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 i guess that's part of our job to tell people which ones to check out and which ones to avoid yeah well and there's so much of those movies you know watching those movies that feels like it was hate watching um that but again that's a watch you know that the, the studios don't these producers they don't care whether you're hate watching it or not you're still getting your five bucks on voodoo or your two bucks at red box you know um i I will say the one thing i will say most is uh razzies go fuck yourselves uh (laughs) they finally rescinded it but only after indiewire published that article because they talked nothing but shit even after it came out and i was fuck those guys and their whole thing of being like we didn't know bullshit. If I fucking knew if little me in fucking Salt Lake City, Utah knew the fucking Razzies knew, right? Those fucking parasites are just the worst example of Hollywood insiders. So they fucking knew and they still created that category. Like, fuck them. Fuck them in the air. Oh, anyway. What what even are they? It's just like uh, like a like a nonprofit organization that they, who who's giving them money? Who's giving I really don't know. You know, I mean, there's 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 a lot of articles written about who they are. And and when they started, they were kind of uh, Mike Ryan from Up Rocks had a really he wrote about it years ago. I think he was maybe it was when he was with Huffington Post. I can't remember. But he um, wrote a really great article about sort of what they are and how when they started, you know, they were really digging into like the bad movies, if you will, you know, think of things like the room or stuff like that. But as they got more popular, they started deciding that they were just going to pick on people that they don't like basically, which is, yeah, it's like taking the shit out of, out of pompous celebrities, but it, it, yeah, it's like cinema sins, the fucking organization, like who gives a shit? (laughs) What the fuck is this? Why do people keep publishing it, giving them attention? I don't know. That was actually, you know, I tweeted that. That's actually what I said is I would love if every major movie outlet next year just decided they weren't going to cover the fucking Razzies because they don't have to. They're not fucking newsworthy. Like you can just ignore the Razzies. It's not like the Oscars or the DGAs or SAC where those are actually newsworthy and those make it to the fucking Razzies mean nothing. It's like me with any video review on YouTube. I don't care what it says or how much work you put into it. I'm not fucking watching your video review on YouTube. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it, it makes my skin crawl to sit there and watch people do reviews for longer than 60 seconds. I've got other things to do. Yeah. The, other th- <laughs> the other thing I will say about the Willis uh, thing is, you know, something that I hadn't thought of until the news came out this week is we always talked about, well, good for, you know, he just wants to try and make as much money as he can. 
But the question that I feel like we never asked and a lot of people never asked is, okay, if Willis is making this much money, he's doing all of this to make this much money to retire. Who else is making money uh, by him doing this? And do those people maybe not have his best interests at heart? And I think that's what that LA times article really sort of illustrated is that there's a lot of people in his circle who their gravy train, if he retires, their gravy train comes to an end. You know, there, there's, there's this, the one actor that they talked about fo- that follows him around and is the one that reads him lines and gets paid, you know, something like a hundred thousand dollars a year just to do that. You know, that's a gravy train that's going to come to an end here if he retires. And so, yeah, anytime you see this, where you see these actors taking these movies, you kind of have to look and question rather than just making fun of them you know, who is profiting off of this and is there reasons maybe why this is happening? Yeah. You know, I think some of them are like, famously, I think Nick Cage, because he has been upfront about, you know, it was a big, a big tax incident or t- situation. So he's been very upfront about, you know, I'm doing this to, you know, make it all back. But also he's still at the same time having the time of his life and committing to all these roles, every single one, as, as, as quote unquote cheap as it might be. So, you know, that's like a, that may be the exception to the rule here, but like, yeah, there's a lot of, and then uh, this is, uh, you, there's all this messed up stuff in the Hollywood system and the, the, the cult of celebrity that things like the Razzies should be, or at least ideologically are trying to take, take a peg down a peg or attack, but then, then they end up kind of attacking the wrong targets or get swayed. I mean, and so you have these, big toss-ups or whatever but still the system exists and again it's uh you know the, the, I, yeah, everything's all connected whatever it's like you know it's a conspiracy no like, like uh, all these systems of power you know that we just is we have to contend with trying to find ways to make them better and it's always going to be uphill battle because you know like as you mentioned uh people have a lot invested in these like literally invested in, in, in how this how these things don't get fixed um so yeah, I mean, we're just three guys in a podcast, but we're also like you know, three people who touch the industry in various ways, as deep or as 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 shallow in my case it might be. Um, but uh, you know, until I see Mel Gibson on the street, then it's then it's uh, you know it's on sight. <laughs> but but uh, in the meantime, though, you know, we're just trying to like, hopefully, at least tomorrow, and kind of try to. In our own way, make things safe for at least uh, help uh, find a way through this stuff, through this all this madness. Um, so, if we can, I do want to switch gears a bit to the next to the main really thing. Quick, yes, we can switch gears, but I just got a mental image of when Vice sees Mel Gibson fucking cocking his arms, Henry Cavill mission of <laughs> Fallout style, just be like, <laughs> and because I, I love it, because that brings I know, he, he can take it. He, I know, I know he can scrap. I want it. Let's go, man. Let's let's do it. I mean, he can take it. It'll be good. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> all <laughs> but right. No, so, go ahead, Vice. Yeah. Great. So, if you guys had know, a fight and it ended up with you like being friends, that would be the greatest thing ever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, anyway, yeah. So, because uh, the stuff I just said about, you know, the system's power and stuff, how this, you know, people will have vested interest in making them, maintaining them. This speaks to uh, thematically a movie we want to cover today. Um, that came out this weekend as well, and again, this is also part of the uh, the ongoing and uh, the 
the new age of straight to streaming cinema and the whole way the system works now and that these are where the movies that used to be quote unquote for adults are are coming now and um I will hope they can thrive here as well, but that remains to be seen. And so part of the reason I want to talk about this movie is because I want I do want to, I do think it's well deserved deserving an audience and it should be thriving on on online uh, or wherever you can see it. Uh so this is uh the we talk about the contractor starring uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster. Um it's about it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know it's an original live property or whatever uh, like a polit- military tactical political kind of thriller um story about a special forces veteran who gets uh discharged from the army. Um but then he finds an opportunity to do some uh, pr- uh private military contracting um with with a security group. Uh but then the mission itself is uh it becomes very clear very quickly that is uh, uh, far more uh, sinister than he, than he, than he uh, first thinks. Um, has some great, like I said, uh, Ben Foster has a great support performance. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, you know, um, as, as one of the, uh, the the head of the security the security team, um, doing great work. He's, he's doing great work uh, using his uh, Jack Bauer 24 persona to kind of uh, speak to this, what's going on in the movie. And so, and the thing that's going on in the, in the film is that um, there's a, so this it's being sold as an action film, at least with the trailers, like a kind of a, like like uh, Mike, you mentioned this kind of would be in the same vein as Without Remorse, you know, with the, the Tom Clancy um, re, soft reboot starring Michael B. Jordan. But really, it's not that at all. It's more of a very heavy, pensive uh, drama that happens to have some tactical, tactical elements. Um, but there's a, a the main through line through the film is how so much how these soldiers or these service members um get chewed up and spit out by the system that they swore an oath to 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 be a part of and protect um in all the various you know they just give they, they, they say they they say this overtly in the text of the film they give their hearts they they say one of the soldiers says is we give our hearts our souls our bodies to the system and it, and it destroys us for its own profit and um uh and i i felt that very strongly you know just to be, be as a veteran and also my other friends and I, and I, oh, and I definitely, you know, as we talk about this, as it gets more, um, get the word out, you know, all the other, other veteran friends on action Twitter definitely need to check this out because it speaks to it very strongly, very powerfully to that feeling of, uh, exploitation being used, uh, for, or, and, and using, um, our ideals, uh, for other people's ends. So that's very much, it's very much what this, the story goes through. Um, you know, there's lots of small details from the various characters, like, you know, um, one character has a special needs child. So the money is, of course, a big issue for him because he can't, he may not be able to afford care for his child. Then you have uh, the main character, Chris Pine's character, you know, he has a mountains of debt. Um, but also in his case, uh, the, what, the reason he was discharged from the military was for a t- technically legal and amoral thing, but it's a, uh, Part of the story is how these rules are so selective. They selectively enforce them. And again, this is this is uh, people in power who, uh, if you know somebody or if you are if you're in the in club, you can avoid these. Uh, you can avoid uh, uh, avoid consequences, whereas other people have to pay the price that may be legally warranted, but it's not really. It's still not the right thing to do. So there's a whole lot of that throughout this film, and then in between it though, there's uh, you know some really really tight really well-made action sequences that I think are really, you know, so far among the best of the year so far. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts about, you know, if, if you, you know, Mike, you've seen it. 
um, how, how you think it was. So this this is a this is a strong contender for movie that um, I liked that by the end of the year I will love uh, because I, I think there was a bit of it as I was watching it um, because it was advertised as sort of you know dad action type tactical yeah. action movie. Uh, you know, again, without trying to get too much into spoilers, you know, the entire first third of the movie is a gripping drama about a soldier with basically PTSD, you know, trying to, and, and I did not see that coming. Um, but I can't get this movie out of my head. Like I watched it Friday and it, it's just, it's living, it's living rent free in my brain uh, for the last couple of days. I, I just, every time I think about it, I was just, as you were talking by, so I was pulling up some stuff on IMDb on it and I'm just like, yeah, oh, yeah, right. That um, I, I think it's biggest strength is uh, best. Chris remains best. Chris, uh, <laughs> Chris Pine has exactly because he has the exact right amount of sort of empathy and woundedness but can still be convincing during the handful of action scenes. And, and you mentioned advice. There's not very much action in this. What is there is terrific, but it is the action scenes. They're not long because they're brutal and efficient when they do happen. And so they're very short, um, but he, he's the perfect mix. I, I really can't imagine. Um, uh, I just, I don't know that I could imagine somebody else in this role. It feels like it was tailor made for him, which um, unlike when he tried to play Jack Ryan, which I actually liked that movie, but that, that's not really his wheelhouse. I think this, this felt to me for people wondering, you know, should I watch it? It's more of a spiritual successor to hell or high water than it is yeah. any type of like action movie. I mean, it, it fits in that vein much more than it does an action movie. Um, but Ben Foster's always great. And it, it's nice to not actually see him play a psychopath, you know, cause that is Ben Foster's wheelhouse, but in this, he's <laughs> not. Um, I do want to, for, for action fans, you know, we mentioned the action scenes are really good. I do want to shout out Jack Gill, who's done stunts for fast and furious movies and all sorts of stuff did second unit and, uh, and, uh, Antal Kalik or Kalik who did, uh, was the stunt coordinator on uh, a ton of movies and shows, including stuff like free guy was the stunt coordinator on this and also pines double what action there is, is just brilliant. Um, yeah. But this is more a movie that kind of gets under your skin, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's really empathetic, which is a weird thing to say about an action movie, but um, it really is. Yeah, and also it, it's actually pretty um, maybe sophisticated, complex in that in that uh, empathy because it's it's still very clear that these are very these are not good humans. The the, the tentative heroes of this picture, everyone is a monster on the on the text of their actions um he, you know he, like, like before like uh in the beginning of the film he gets kicked out of the army because uh he took painkillers and stuff and did, did illegal uh took illegal drugs and did illegal things to fix his knee but to do he did though because he wanted to stay in the special forces you know they do what they have to do to, to maintain um and so i, did, I don't want to spoil it but just, i want to get a guy with context so like in the context of the story they have a new commander in the special forces unit and so they say he that he's cleaning house, quote unquote. 
as to say they they're kind of getting rid of all the um transgressors or all the people who break the rules or bend the rules um to the forces. So in one way hard ass commander, but moving back a little context, you know, there was a for the past several years there's been a big uproar from about a misconduct in the special forces because they kind of become law they've several high profile incidents of lawlessness and um like famously the person who was uh charged for war crimes by stat he killed a young child in Afghanistan um but he was but the the uh discharging of a lot I forget the specifics the specifics of the uh, outcome but you know he became a Trumper of course he became a Trump uh, uh campaign guy of course you know and um um, but also, like, uh, there was an incident um, several years ago where uh, uh, Navy SEALs, uh, a group of Navy SEALs, were convicted for, well, it was manslaughter, but it was, they essentially killed a Green Beret soldier, a Special Forces soldier in the Army, uh, because he uncovered their plot for, like, uh, stealing money and stuff. Like, they are doing some criminal activities during their operations that they were, had a plan to, like, uh, blackmail them and do some, like, kind of sexual embarrassment stuff and record it and end up killing him so you know really really heavy fucked up stuff that's really happening so this movie is kind of this movie kind of touches that just slightly um and so it's weird so like in that context of the main character that's a bad that clearing house is a bad thing but the movie is also very clear that oh this guy he has probably done some really egregious things really morally and possibly legally egregious things that he's accepted it as, you know, the one thing is that he has the conscience to accept that he's accept those consequences. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty upfront that these are not good people. Like there's no, like a shining, uh, shining night and shining armor kind of hero stuff. But this is like, it's a dirty world. It's a dirty garbage kind of world they're living in. These characters living in and that they're living in. And, and then as the film goes, you see, well, uh, the wages of sin is death. They, the 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 price that they pay for this life comes comes to get them, and you know that. And so that's that that sense of that that so that, that 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 classic literary sense of car, karmic justice. Because yeah, it, it's very much, it does feel like a kind of old school like you know old school thriller novel more than a contemporary like action film. It has that very like that like that somber uh, world weariness to it. Yeah, I um, I, I really couldn't get John le Carre out of my head as like, you know, things like yeah. Peter Taylor soldier spy and the spy who came in from the cold and stuff. It, it really does feel like that kind of movie much more than, um, you know, yeah. What we're thinking of a contemporary, you know, again, without remorse is I think the perfect comparison point. Yeah. Yeah. Without remorse is, is still a serious movie, but it's, you know, it's Rainbow Six Origins. It's a very, yeah. like, it's a very <laughs> over-the-top action movie. Michael B. Jordan greasing himself down to fight yeah. dudes in the jail. And there's just nothing in this movie that happens like that. It is... Uh, Every, everything hurts. Everything is... Everything feels bad. Like, like, like pain, like pain is a physical sense, but like pain, like, this should, this should not be happening. This is sad and bad to see this happening. But we had, this has to play out you know, the things must come to a head. And so you just kind of, you kind of you're just gritting your teeth and tensing up, to see what happens next. Cause it's uh, so there, there is a scene. And again, I'll try and be cagey to avoid spoilers. There is a scene where pine shoots somebody in the sewers. And then they have a conversation that just fucking 
devastated me, man. It just yeah. absolutely wrecked me because again, like you said, my everything hurts in this movie. Nothing. There's no catharsis here. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, Liam, I know you didn't see it. You're just kind of hanging out uh, on the ride. <laughs> I checked um, just watch, you know, that app that tells you where it is. And I saw that it was a $20 rental. And then I remembered that Stone Cold Steve Austin was wrestling for free on my Peacock app. And uh, <laughs> I turned on WrestleMania night one to watch Stone Cold. And uh, that was a fantastic time. And I drank beer and I felt like I was 18 again and watched yeah. him stomp the shit out of Kevin Owens. Wait, <laughs> our guy's not doing steroids and wrestling anymore. What the fuck is going on? What is that guy's a star? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's like Stone Cold looks 10 times better than him and he's 60 years old. Um, but yeah, well, kind of K- that's KO's deal. He's like, he's like the big, like, little kind of. He is strong. I was surprised yeah, how strong kind of he was. His deal. Yeah. yeah he, he, but no, it was a good match. It was good. It was a good setup. Um, and it was just fantastic to see uh, Stone Cold, st- you know, still sharp on the mic and uh, crushing, crushing. Uh, El Segundo Brewery's uh, Broken Skull <laughs> American Lagers, which are brand new, by the way. That is my local brewery. I've been drinking his Broken oh. Skull IPA. The IPA has been a popular one for me, um, and uh, the lager just came out. He was here on 316 Day, but I was busy oh. uh, being a dad and wasn't able to go hang out with him. But um, yeah, no, but that, that was a great time last night. So I missed that and ended up... Um, watching on um, the paramount plus app a michael bay movie that i've been meaning to get to for a very long time really quickly and before you jump into that i just do just want to say um for people listening if you don't want to pay 20 bucks for the contractor uh i i vice first of all would you recommend people check out the contractor yes yes uh i think uh, our friend our, our friend of me brandon uh mentioned that this is going to say probably a great candidate for my black coffee action suspense films absolutely 100 this is like this is this hurts so good it's not good for you it's not it's not candy it's not WrestleMania, but it's good for your soul because it's bad for your soul because because the world is terrible the world is a pile of dirt floating through space and, and it hurts and it sucks and all it wants to do is kill you that's okay because we're all in it together this we're just gonna move past the fact you call brandon <laughs> your friend of me he's just gonna be like walking down the block like listening to this on his on his uh you know ear airpods and then just like fall over hit by the stray right to the gut you can, you can get it too, Brandon. You can get it too. You, Mel Gibson, uh, Adam Driver, you're all on the list. <laughs> the, the, it's a it, it, contractor's a strong recommend for me. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, as much as I can, you can enjoy black coffee yeah. action thriller. Uh, but I do want to let people know if you don't want to pay the 20 bucks, it is an Amazon original. It will be coming to prime, uh, in a few months. So yeah, you, you can check it out then if you. But- yeah, but I mean, I, would, I do want to say, like, to my earlier point, like, this is the kind of stuff that would have made a, made a pretty good amount uh, if it was recent theaters, you know, like, you know, maybe not even 10 years ago, 15 years ago. This is the, the so-called movie for adults that people want to, they say they want to see, but they, they don't they don't show up for it. If you believe in that thing, if you believe in the edict, show up for this, pay the money, it's good money, it's, it's a good quality product, quality film, I think it deserves its recognition. But again, yeah, like I said, also, because you know hard time so yes do please take advantage of the fact that it is on prime, Amazon prime and then once it's more affordable to you please please support it you know and then check it out it's definitely worth it no matter how, however you can get it however however you can get it it's definitely worth it 
yeah, assuming we're going to do it again this year, I'm really looking forward to digging more into this one when we do our end of the year war. Uh, oh, yes. Battle. War films, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Liam, speaking of that, switching gears, you watched something in the vein somewhat of the contractor on your Paramount Plus app, and it was you were filling a gap in your uh, in your film watching knowledge. Yes. Yes. Um, and I we were uh, on a project looking at one of the actors and, and I was like, oh, you know, I have, I, and I remember we talked about this movie um, a couple of weeks back uh, and, and vice, you know, brought up the call of duty stuff to it, but also you did say it was good, but even when you said it was good, I feel like you didn't like say it with your full chest, like how good this movie was. Like, I don't, uh. I, I never had anyone tell me like, Hey, shut the fuck up and go watch this movie. Like, I remember I kind of was like, oh, I just d- didn't want to fucking watch anything about Benghazi in 2016. And you should have said, Liam, shut the fuck up and watch this movie. It is expertly crafted action. And it is, I, I mean, I, I, I'm just I mean, foaming at the mouth because what? I, I saw, it's 13 hours, uh, Michael Bay's 13 hours. I'm foaming at the mouth at how fucking well made this is. But also, at how much ass some of these critics have shown when I looked up the, some of the reviews of it, a lot of, I, the number one thing is people like, tell me you don't fucking know what you're talking about by saying it's a typical Michael Bay movie, because like even Vern, who's, you know, one of our OGs, I know he's not a big Bay fan. And we were talking on Twitter and he's like, it's really his most disciplined uh, tonally and, and comedic wise. It is, I kept waiting for it to do something embarrassing to be honest with you, because I love Michael Bay. I, I, I've loved like, especially that his Bruckheimer work, you know, the, the Bay Bruckheimer films, I've always loved them, but you know, there, there's always a tendency, even in the movies I find hilarious, like bad boys too, to have some fucking embarrassing cringe shit in there occasionally where they're, Hey, that's comedy, right? You're trying different things why not have uh, a shot of two rats fucking each other uh, in the attic? You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta shoot, shoot or shoot uh, when it comes to comedy. So I don't really like uh, begrudge that, especially when it is something so uh, deliciously excessive as bad boys too. But some of that um, approach, you know, could be felt in a negative aspect of something like Pearl Harbor, where it felt like you wanted something a little bit more focused and mature and not as like, Oh, isn't this fucking bomb shot? So awesome as it goes down to kill innocent Americans. Like that was kind of what everyone said about that movie at the time, even though I I think, uh, I think if I rewatch that one, I'd probably come away enjoying more. Um, I remember when I saw it opening night, like with my dad, he like gave it a fucking applause at the end of the movie. Like people forget at the time it made a lot of money and it seems to have this more negative reputation afterwards. But uh, my theater opening night at Pearl Harbor was um, it played pretty damn great. Uh, But this feels like, you know, the most adult mature focused um, serious movie there's humor in it, but it, it, it all kind of feels like the type of grounded, realistic dude humor that the that these type of guys would actually be you know gallows humor talking about in such a tough situation i i I fucking adored the cast you know james badgedale is uh is one of those guys that i've always loved and it was really awesome to see him like in this sort of alpha role um he feels 
like I 100% bought him in, in the role of Roan. Um, I don't have the history uh, everyone else does with Krasinski because I never watched The Office. I'd only seen The Quiet Place, um, but he he's really good in this. And then, of course, Master Chief himself, uh, Den of Thieves all-star Pablo uh, Schreiber is, is just, there's something about this guy. Like, I, I was like, man, I really, really love everything he's been doing for the past couple of years. He's a walking, walking back to his when I'm ball sweat. Just yeah. <laughs> You can sense it off of him, you know? He's like, uh, it's the, the Holy War is popping off. It's a good thing I'm wearing my dad shorts. And that was another <laughs> thing I loved about the movie in general is that they they really sold that this is like, these are a bunch of American dads fighting this yeah. thing. They've all got the dad beards. They've got the dad jokes. And they've got the fucking dad tattoos and the dad yeah. bodies. And uh, even like the Jack dad body, Max Martini was another one. Um, always love that guy whenever he shows up in, in these type of things. So yeah, I just I, I kept waiting for it to be the movie that everyone had told me that it was some over the top ridiculous thing, and I found it to be one of the the best crafted action filmmaking pieces of action filmmaking ever. It's fantastic, and if you yeah. are put off by it by the politics, I thought the politics of something like Patriots Day were much more distasteful than anything in this movie. Like I remember Patriots Day, like fucking Obama is not letting us do what we need to do. And it was like, <laughs> fuck off. There was none of that uh, feel to me. And I felt like I was expecting it to, you know, really stick it into those different places. But I also found like I learned different things that I didn't quite know. Like it was interesting to see the inter, um, the relationships between the CIA and these contractors, you know, the, these more mercenary type guys. And, and that like in our, in our mind, like from a film goer, you're like CIA, that means you're the most badass of the badass and the CIA guys didn't know what the fuck they were doing. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I just thought it was about as well-crafted uh, a, a piece of action cinema as you can get with great characters. The cast is fully committed and, you know, it, it made me contextualize things that I, you know, didn't really want to deal with because it'd become such a Fox News, MSNBC politicized talking point for so many years. Um, but, you know, this, whether or not this is accurate to the things, these things like this did happen. And, you know, it, it's worth kind of, it's worth your two hours and 20 minutes to really kind of dig in and, and, and give yourself over to this thing and put yourself in these guys' situation. Yeah. So first, I'll just say you know this. It's actually a great, uh, a great uh, a companion piece to the contractor. Them both being about military mm -hmm. soldiers who become contractors, and I think uh, that's always a uh, interesting but also tenuous thing to to touch upon, because again of the real world history of contractors being involved in well war crimes at the worst of it but also just uh shady operations in general across the world that th th them being uh contracted as opposed to under u.s dod title allows that leeway of operation uh, activity but also like possibly illegal well not illegal because it's not restricted but um amoral activity and so it's a different it's a tricky contract because the, the contractor kind of kind of goes over and saying you know no matter what you, you, whether you're a soldier or a or, or a contractor, you're still a fucking mercenary at the end of the day. It's, it's, it, they, they say that out loud. It's a really, really fascinating thing about the contractor, and, they, and they even they kind of name drop. Uh, they say that uh, whether it's the government or Eric Prince, Eric Prince, you know, famously the uh, of executive outcomes, they were, we're all a bunch of fucking, fucking rats, you know. So like they say that out loud in the film. So that was interesting. But then, but then you contrast that with Thirteen Hours, where 
they're completely on the side of the of the contract, but like not in any kind of propagandistic way. It's just this is these experienced, hard professionals doing this thing asked of them to the best of their ability. That's all it is. And then it is they, they, then they might have their own personal uh ideologies and and um thoughts about the politics of it all, but at the end of the day, it's just these guys trying to save each other's lives and save one particular person's life, the ambassador here. And that's 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 the main focus of of, of the uh the movie of, of the film itself, but also the, the actual operation. They're trying to save the ambassador. Um that's it's them focusing on them and all the both the actual resistance physically and above their heads to deal with. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating in that regard. Now, to your other point, the reason I didn't the reason I am hesitant up, up until this point to talk about to recommend or talk about this movie because um I do kind of need some even now I need some um distance when talking about these films based on real military activities. Um it's difficult to say. Uh all the soldiers I know fucking hate the Herlocker. It's, it's like a to us, it's a fucking fantasy like wet dream thing like you know but people love it the the film world loves it because you know it's war is bad the movie but it's it's bullshit it's all, all, all the all the the setup the there's you're never going to have just three guys out there defusing a bomb you're never going to have a fucking sniper battle with some guy who does, who's not sniper trained it's just a bunch of fantastical bullshit that makes for decently gripping drama i guess so yeah like but expand on that so it, it's the it's the military scenarios in it that you don't like or is it the characterizations that you don't like because the i do think gamut. there's i the do think that's of- interesting with some of the reviews on 13 hours saying that oh i don't like this script and the characterizations are terrible and i'm they like these like, characters yeah. these characterizations are real you probably you just want to have like these little fucking liberal avatars to be your your characters in war films. Exactly. These like super spoken Mark Bowles little avatar talking around there. But like the 13 hours guys actually feel like the dudes that you run into in Colorado and Arizona, which you fucking film critics probably don't know. So that, that kind of there was an elitism of the criticism of 13 hours. And then you see the elites like pulling up something like the Hurt Locker where you guys are actually there. And you're like, none of the fucking guys talk like this that. I went to war with like what is this bullshit? Yeah, like like, like the guy, the the Sergeant James. Oh, uh, what's the guy? A Hawkeye? He would have been discharged in, like the first fucking ten minutes. Like that was so illegal what he was doing. Like like not just illegal, but like uh, it's so detrimental to actually get, get a mission done. But yeah, whereas you see in this movie, they they key three hours, they key on it in on it exactly why men like this, people like this, get these missions done to the best or with when at all possible because of the certain mindset. And, you know and. It's not necessarily because they're right wing. That's not, not, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like you know, they don't they don't have to they don't concern they're not concerned with that bullshit. It's mission focused kind of mindset for them um, that doesn't involve any kind of upper higher politics at least to a point. But again, as I mentioned before, like in recent years, the special forces community in general, in particular, and other organizations have had to deal with like a. Uh, people kind of going off the reservation at the, to use the the, the the bad phrase. You know, yeah, I mean, there is the sadness at the end that you're like, man, I wonder if Krasinski's character like marched on one sixth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is a tipping point that afterwards he's like, fuck the elites, but like, you know, in a different way. You know, I, we're trying, that's why we try to be balanced here and say, like, there's there's there is no doubt in elitism 
in the way people look at the world, but the answer is not necessarily the storm on the Capitol. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, and also there's other films of this ilk, like uh, the one with Lone Survivor by Peter Birch, which, which I thought was a very fine, a fine film, even though Murky Mark ruins it every time he's on screen. Like, uh, <laughs> which, also, which also featured uh, Ben Foster in a fantastic role uh, as X. And just a real quick caveat, Ben Foster, I think. Just go to the gym, kid. Yeah, because you know, because because again, back to the real world, you know, the the hero of the story was not well, Mark Murphy, the the, the, the Navy SEAL got the Medal of Honor. His actions were indeed heroic and admirable, but also the the action of the Afghan civilian. That's the true story of of really, I think, the movie. But then we come to find out. I, I heard about this after the fact in real life. He uh, he was able to make it to America, but you know, he got stiffed. On a lot of the royalties and payments for the movie, because you know, again, this is the system. This is Hollywood exploited people. Oh, so that, that movie was put together by some actual criminals. I, I, I tweeted about that. Uh, do you remember that Remington Chase article that I oh, tweeted yeah. out? Remington yeah. Chase was one of the filmmakers about that. And that, I mean, uh, it, do a Google on him. I, we met him, and I was like, "There's something off about this guy." <laughs> and uh, you know, just there's there's a alleged past of uh, massive. Uh, cocaine exporting and then uh, there the, the the long con that he put on on this Chinese company that was just reported I think it might have been in the LA Times or no it was the rap was that they basically were forging documents and taking loans out against this other company and they milked them of like 250 million dollars or something Jesus like that so again so, yeah, allegedly yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, I feel bad for that guy but uh, of any movie uh, that uh, with any someone would allege crimes against that's definitely one I would believe yeah yeah things like that uh, things like uh, and even even now with when I talk about zero dark 30 um, I still have it's it's controversial and sensitive on its own in the text of the film, um, and then doing research about it, you know, like the, the the main controversy was, you know, does it depict or does it endorse or or uh, or, uh, or 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 admonish torture? But that's not the real point. The real point is like, you know, how much of the DOD influence was used to to massage that message and to what end? That's the real kind of what gets me up about it and then or what what throws me up about it and even now after all these years i still not i'm still not i don't have a specific stance on that film yet because i will say from a as a former intelligence analyst it got the actual um minutia and drudgery of intelligence analysts down to perfectly depicted so i always give give it uh, points for that but just the whole its creation, its background, even now, is still nebulous to me. So I, I, I kind of, honestly, I kind of refrain from talking about that one too much, because I, I still don't kind of know where I stand on it. But again, but so in even with thirteen hours, that was no matter what, it was still a. It was maybe just a few years from the actual incident. That's still it's going to be sensitive and controversial, no matter what, no matter who's directing it. Um, so it's still kind of raw. It was raw then to talk about it. Now, with hindsight about, you know, the, the, about the kind of the farce of the investigation, you kind of see, uh, okay, this, there's some, there's fantasy being told here, but not just in the movie, and just in the, the, the way it was drummed up, or just, you know, but not 
especially in the fact that people, real people, lost their lives. You know, the ambassador did die in that in that incident. So I don't want to ever like dismiss that or or forget that portion of it. But you know, just a there's so much uh, half truths and falsehoods in both the making of movies and in and even our real world how we look back at these things. So that's why I, I kind of I don't really. Well, at least up till now, till today, I didn't want to talk about that film. But no, I'll say right now, like I tweeted a few hours ago, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi deserves all the accolades that The Hurt Locker got because that movie is way more bullshit than this movie. Uh, so it, it, it's a var- in various means. Yeah. But it, and it goes to our other conversations about propaganda and, 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 and fascism and action cinema in general. And you just have to go back to the the actual craft of it and just on that level it is so much better than 99% of the things that we watch it is, and that people it is the talk only, about it is the only war film american made war film that comes close to the game changing stuff that Ridley Scott did in black hawk down in 2002 like 2000 black hawk down redefined war film for the world of cinema the entire world because before it, we were still kind of stuck in either the the, uh, the Clint Eastwood uh, Heartbreak Ridge or the uh, kind of old school eighties uh, point shoot like army men army men kind of stuff, whereas Ridley ramped it up to like what would ironically kind of become the real version of what we we see you know with actual footage real footage of combat. He used he was able to replicate that so clearly and beautifully, also still, still giving it that cinematic uh, panache as they say. Oh yeah, I mean, nope. it, it, yeah, nobody's topped it. Right. No one's yeah. topped it. But you know what's nice about this compared to Black Hawk Down is the focus because it's less characters and it is a siege movie that um, you you definitely I felt more of a connection to the characters because Black Hawk Down is such a sprawling cast and they all have the same haircut in the same clothes and they're that was kind of an issue on the first watch but you know once you've seen it like three times you're like oh yeah i got all those guys but this one on on the first watch because you do get to know and it is a small unit i was really worried about a few of the guys i was like did not want uh pablo to die in this movie and and they were like they were putting up breadcrumbs that he was going to be the one to go and i was like no um so you know i didn't i didn't quite know which guys were uh were going to make it at the end and um and 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 the the emotional um the beats at the end the way he sticks the landing is unlike anything i think bay's done as far as like like we said, just just there's just not a there's just not a false step for me. Um, and normally, even on the stuff of his that I love, you know, there's some fucking wild, crazy scene that you're like, man, did that have to be in there? You know, but I I just felt like I I was really um, yeah. I don't I I don't know if I've ever like cried in a Michael Bay movie before, but this mm-hmm. one definitely definitely got me and and. Um, yeah, I, again, I just say I, I think Black Hawk Down is a really apt comparison because just from the craft standpoint and the magnitude uh, of effort and coordination and vision it takes to put something like this together. When people say it's a big, dumb movie and that stuff, like, do you think you just fucking like people just walk out and you just film what's happening? Like, do you realize how many fucking planning and how much work and how many takes and how many shoot days like went into doing this it is not it doesn't fucking make itself and i think 
some of the the ignorance when I see those reviewers uh, studying this type of stuff and just having absolutely no feel for the craft whatsoever, it uh, it infuriates me, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is definitely uh, yeah. As far as American-made war films from a purely technical, like combat, uh, capturing combat perspective. 13 Hours is the best one in the current generation of 21st century so far, thus far. Oh, well, beyond, beneath uh, Black Hawk Down. Like, it's like the one to beat in the current times. Um, but yeah, it just does it so well. You know, and also, you know, if you get a, if you have a um, scene in your movie that's that's then remade in a Call of Duty game, you know you made it. Because this is, a, this they, they kind of do this shot for shot, literally, figuratively, in the latest Modern Warfare remake, reboot, the, the, the siege scene in the, in the compound, they do this, they, they do that whole scene with the with the flares and everything, the mortar flares, they do the whole thing in the game. That's how you know you're good. <laughs> That's iconic. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I, since you guys don't see video, I, I do want everybody to know, um, <clears throat> Liam's wearing a t-shirt and right as we got into the start of this conversation, he pulled his sleeves up uh, to, to gear up to talk about this. So, you know, he's, Showing off for Meathead Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I so the vein, the vein in my forehead starts to pop <laughs> pop out right in the right dead center. Yeah. I uh, I haven't seen this since the theater, so I actually have really not much to contribute to this other than to say that uh, I will also champion Jarhead Three, uh, yep. which is a shockingly good. DTV version of 13 hours uh directed by william kaufman starring our uh well uh, my boy uh scott <laughs> and, uh, and um yeah it uh it's 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 also just good but uh it, i need to re listening to you guys talk about this i need to revisit this because i will admit when i saw 13 hours I kind of had the same, not the vitriol that the critics that you're talking about had Liam, but a little bit of like, I bounced off it um, because I just, but at that point I also didn't know people like you vice. And I didn't know Chris Barreras and I didn't know uh, Ryan Copeland, who, if you go back in the archives, you know, vice, you mentioned zero dark 30 uh, Ryan and I really get yeah. deep breaking down zero dark 30. So you can go back in the archives and listen to that. Um, you know, and so I think I just, I have a different perspective now because I, I am that, you know, liberal douche that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't like the stuff, which again is weird given what I do for a living. Cause I fucking work with cops every day. So, you know, I, I have it. I just, I never really had it with soldiers because I never actually knew that many. Um, and so I need to go back and rewatch this. Cause I, I think it's probably, especially now, you know, with the contractor and just the, even just now talking about it, the contractor just continues to knock me on my ass. Um, yeah. And so I think this might be a nice watch this week to, to kind of go along with it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, but I, I just want to say I'm the liberal douche too. And that's even like, I was the liberal douche on this fucking pod a few weeks ago when I was like, ah, I haven't seen this movie because of Benghazi. So like, it, it's, it's good to fucking challenge yourself and to, to push back on those different assumptions and, and not think you fucking know everything. Cause we don't. Yeah. I definitely want to come back to this. Um, I, presumably, um, well, hopefully, I forget. Well, I get, you, you mentioned part of the reason that you you, you watch 13 Hours to, to catch up on your Bay films and to prepare for his upcoming one, The Ambulance, uh, or uh, Ambulance, 
coming up soon. Um, is that next week or is it in two weeks? Uh, I forget when. It's next week. Okay. So, presuming that we, we all, get, all get to see it, I definitely need to come back to this point. And I want to spend a lot of time on, we talked about propaganda, we talked about the depiction of the military. Um, I definitely need to come back to this um, these points when we see this. Because same thing, um, I, I kind of mentioned this in, in another podcast, uh, this, the setup for ambulance, at least the uh, trailers, it's about veterans who got shafted and now they are, they're going to rob a bank because the country has left them for dead with no money, no health care. This is, and this is a, again, this is a play plot point contractor, also a plot point in 13 hours, uh, probably in a wrath of man. This is a, this is our reality being reflected in these movies now. So I definitely want to come back to this uh, in more depth. Um, hopefully next week, if we get a chance to see it. Um, 2021 oh, best picture winner, wrath of man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. And, and, but also I want to talk and talk about base filmography overall, but also like, you know, how we uh, as movie fans and now people experiencing life, uh, how we, how we're connecting to these action films and these, you know, the inherent right wing fascism of action films nowadays when we're actually battling actual fascism in our fucking world. Because, you know, I, 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 we're not going to, the only way out is through. So I want to make sure we talk about it in depth because I can't get everything out because it's important. And I th- for everybody listening as well, too, I want you guys to, as you're listening and as, as you get ready to hear it yourselves, I would say, yeah, go ahead and if you, if you hate Bay or just think he's dumb, Go ahead and see a few before next week's podcast and see how you feel now. See how you as a person have changed, especially in the past, what, five, six years with fucking Trump and COVID and, and you know, the, the war, World War Three in Russia or 2.5. Like, see how that stuff takes you now, if it all has changed at all, because the world has changed so much. And maybe you have, too. So I would definitely think for you listening as well, I'll give it give, give that a shot and see, see, how, see how it takes you. The only thing that's made me a little worried about. 13 hours is that i haven't really like unabashedly loved anything he's done since uh pain and gain in 2013 but now that i see this i'm like it's raising my expectations of ambulance maybe too high because i'm like uh, oh if he can nail the 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 tone of 13 hours to ambulance whew, like i, I was kind of like already in my mind being like ah, i'm sure there's going to be some bad comedy bits that i'm just going to have to pretend didn't happen but now I'm like, oh, if he can, if he can start doing this, like this, this is like, he, like, what if he becomes our Clint Eastwood and he just starts making <laughs> these fucking, you know, like, like war films and character studies for uh, until he's ninety, like that, that'd be fantastic. I, I don't know, I just, it's kind of changed my entire outlook of of what Bay could be over the next thirty years. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely, definitely, very much looking forward to that next week, and um. Um, well, I guess I don't know. So I don't want to uh, step on the brakes, whatever. But um, I do want to talk about other things coming up to prepare for for next week. Yeah. So, so what I was gonna say is just as a little, uh, and I'm just gonna really quick throw this out there. Uh, I I wasn't gonna cover. I was only gonna mention it if we uh, didn't have enough stuff. But we're we're plenty good on time. But the 1990 Nicolas Cage action spectacular Firebirds. My love of that. I want people to understand is pure and good and not ironic in the slightest. That's my favorite Nicolas Cage performance. It's my fucking favorite Nicolas Cage movie. I love it. Um, but. Yes, next week we will be doing Ambulance. Uh, We are also going to start uh, with our uh, everybody that donated to Trans Texas. 
we're going to start with uh, talking about those movies. And so one of our winners, and unfortunately, I apologize, I didn't pull the tweet up, but we will be talking about speed because we're going to contrast ambulance and speed and uh, you talking about uh, veterans not being treated well. I think, you know, speed even still has that because everybody yeah. remembers Dennis Hopper's an ex-cop. I, I think those movies are going to play fucking great together. So I really want to talk about them together. So hopefully you boys will have time to rewatch speed as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a twist your arms, make you watch one of the greatest action. <laughs> but, um, and then uh, vice, I know you have seen everything everywhere all at once. I am hoping to get to it next weekend as well, because it finally, finally fucking opens here in Salt Lake city um, yeah. and next week. So uh, hopefully if I can see it and I, Liam, I don't know if you'll have a chance, but at least if yeah. one of us can see it, we'll, we'll tackle that one too. And I think that's going to be a pretty full fucking episode next week. Yeah. Well, yeah, and if not next week, uh, you know, at some point, because uh, I think that that movie everywhere, everything everywhere is a pretty fun intersection of um, our brand of, you know, uh, uh, homemade DTV or, Rising Stars of Action, you know, it features the Marshall Club guys doing the action uh, coordination in everywhere. But also it's a uh, uh, intersection of that and the uh, Sundance Cracker movies, you know, this guy from the Daniels. They're known for the like twee, quirky fucking bullshit movies. That, it's not much to say. I actually kind of, um, I kind of hated the uh, Swiss, Swiss Army Man, but I ended up loving this. So I, I really wanted to like, you know, get into the hows and whys of that too. So, you know, if we don't have time for next week, because you, you got a full plate, uh, we'll definitely get to it at some point soon, hopefully within the next few weeks. Um, so just wanna, it's going to kind of a general forecast of what we're trying to planning out for the next few weeks uh, for all the, all the listeners. They can uh, follow along and not be blindsided. And, you know, also hopefully see the movies themselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if you haven't seen, I mean, I hope everybody listening to us makes it out to see Ambulance and everything everywhere all at once. And if you haven't seen Speed, fix your heart. Watch that shit this week. <laughs> Man, seriously, because uh, I am going to you want to watch me lose my mind over one of my favorite movies of all time. It's going to be me talking about speed next week. I uh, yeah. I love speed with every fiber of my being. So I think it'll be fun to compare those two. So. All right, uh, boys, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, we all in agreement on that. Uh, Liam, yep, yep. Liam put his sleeves down. So I think that means he's ready. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Now he's fucking uh, God, how am I friends with the guy that used to shove me in lockers in high school? <laughs> Give me your lunch money, Mike. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Liam, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter uh, at LiamOden.com where uh, every, uh, Mike's boy, Scott Atkins just tweeted at me about 13 hours that uh, it's Bay's best film and one of the best army films ever made up there with Black Hawk down and saving private Ryan in his opinion. So <laughs> and Jarhead, we, and Jarhead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he also responded to my saying, he said, there are way too many idiots allowed to watch movies. It seems so Scott is on fire today with us. <laughs> We're fucking right. We ride at dawn 13 hours. Hive. I'll see you on there. You can get it too, Scott. You <laughs> Gibson, Strusik, uh Driver, Liam Neeson's. Y'all can all get it. It's all good. It's all, it's all, it's all fair game. We'll be friends after. We'll be, we'll be out. We'll be out. So there's, there, there is this old, old, silent short 
uh, called, I think it's called uh, Boxing Crazy. Uh, it, it's one of the first action movies of all time. It's from like 1911 or something like that, where this dude gets in a boxing match and he gets so like taken over by the joy of boxing that he leaves the ring and just starts running down the street, punching people like just everybody he sees, he just like one punches them all. And now I've just got this image of vice, like walking through some awards ceremony, just one punching motherfuckers as he's, as he's going through. Um, anyway, uh, vice, where can people find you if they want to, uh, if they want to step to you. I'm in the streets at Queens. Also find me on Twitter. Advice Victus, Instagram, we get hot, letterbox, being smart, all that stuff. That's where I'm at. Come at me, new boy. It's all good. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and letterbox at Hibachi Justice. You can find the show at A4E Podcast on Twitter. That is the letter A, the number four, the letter E podcast on Twitter. And you are listening to us. So you obviously know how to find the podcast. We are on every podcast app of choice. Boys, love you as always. Uh, our, our Sunday morning dude time is literally better than therapy for me. So it's it's the best. We will do this again next week. Love you guys. Take care. See ya.